in Acts chapter 9 and verse 1 through 9, it says that Paul, or Saul at this point, that Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and he asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him and falling to the ground, he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, but rise and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one, Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing, and so they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus, and for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now notice, there was no altar call. There was no every head bowed, every eye closed, Pray this prayer. Did you pray the prayer? If you meant it, raise your hand. There's none of that kind of stuff. This is, this is, yeah, well, no wonder Paul wrote the doctrine that he wrote. He lived the things that he wrote about. This was, did Paul make a decision on the road to Damascus? You better believe he made a decision. Was that the primary thing that occurred? Absolutely not. The primary thing that occurred is that the Lord saw fit to apply the grace which He died to purchase to a man who was currently His enemy in order that He might become His son. Birth is violent. And it was violent for Saul. The Lord split the heavens. Proud man with a handful of warrants. You understand that's what those letters were, right? I mean that those were warrants in his hand. Breathing out threats and murder. Slammed him to his knees. Knocked him blind. And notice what he says in verse 6. Rise and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. Friends, that's the Gospel. That's the Gospel. I can't do it. I can't do it for you. You can't do it for your lost friends and your lost loved ones. But Jesus can do it. And when He shows up, what He says is here's the deal. You're going to be told what you're going to do. Because I'm your Creator, I'm your Lord, and I'm your Savior. I brought you forth out of nothing. I, I shed my own blood to purchase you. And so, you've been a slave to sin, and now I'm making you a slave to righteousness. And guess who righteousness is? It's, it's Him. And so, now you're mine. Which, spoiler alert, is the best thing that could ever possibly happen to you. And so now, the best thing that's ever happened to you is going to tell you what you're going to do. 
what you're going to be is a chosen instrument. This is not unique to the apostles. The Lord has never saved a man, a woman, a boy, or a girl that was not specifically a chosen instrument unto His purpose. Every single one. You want to be somebody? Be a Christian. God is not a show pony. He doesn't do things just for flair. He does them with purpose. Such a huge deal. Such a huge deal, man. I, you know, over the years, we're getting ready for camp. We're we're setting all that kind of stuff up, and getting our folks in place, and all those sorts of things. And man, we're going to miss you, Jason. We're going to miss you, Jeannie. Big deal. Have you all there? But over the years, as I put people in places, I say, Hey, man, I need you to teach something for camp vacation Bible school, whatever the case may be. And this is this usually happens with younger people, like you know, early twenties, and they go, Man, I want you to I want you to teach kids. And you can tell maybe they're a little disappointed, they were hoping for youth, you know. Man. Some of the weightiest things, the most important album does some of the most important things that we do. And speaking these things, you are you are speaking for for whatever reason the Lord has seen fit, in, and I think it's the extension of His of His goodness. Because generally speaking, not not specifically, it's just my opinion. You take it for whatever you, whatever you think. This is not thus saith the Lord, but but I really do think it's a reflection of His goodness that He has seen fit to. We get this wrong in our demographics. We, we, we look at, at, at the trends and, and we, we analyze all this stuff and we go, okay, well listen, you, you've got you, you, you've got to get them saved before they turn 18 because after they turn 18, then you know the, the, the chart says that the likelihood of conversion just you know tanks from there. Man, that is so polar opposite to what scripture speaks about the nature of conversion being. Guys I truly believe that the reason that you see the majority of people that come to faith in Christ come as children is because God is good and if He's going to save you and He's going to expend His blood to do it, then why not get... then why not save you now? Now I know that's not always the case and He has very specific purpose in saving people later in life and all those sorts of things. Saul was certainly not a child. But man, if you're going to, if you're going to save them, then why not save them early? Chosen vessels. So here's what it looks like. Verse 10. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from 
many about this man how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. Here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. And so Ananias departed and entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may re regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight and he rose and was baptized and taking food, he was strengthened. So here you see the Lord saved His own. The man that was His enemy in a moment of miraculous conversion brought to Christ so that He ceases to see Him as being His enemy, but instead calls Him Lord. He is a chosen instrument for what the Lord would have Him to do. Seeing how God does not change, He does not lie, for He is not a man that He should change His mind. And what he would have Saul to do is what he would have every one of his chosen instruments to do, just for Saul to do it in a particular way. That is to fulfill the great commission that we see at the end of the book of Matthew. Paul speaks about it like this in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. He says, For this reason, what reason is that? Chapter 2, verse 22. In Him you also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Because that is true in the Gospel. Then for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to His holy apostles and His prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the Gospel. Of this Gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace which was given to me by the working of His power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what was the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and the authorities in heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that He has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in Him. And so I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering, which is for your glory. You know what Jesus says in just a couple of sentences in the Great Commission at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, Paul expounds upon here in his, in his own experience. And he says, look, he says, the reason I am here is because of the Gospel. 
And what I am doing is I am a chosen instrument to make that known not only to the Gentiles, but also by making it known to the Gentiles and by making it known to the lost that this thing that we call the church that is formed with this, with this um, covenant community of believers and this covenant fellowship is also thereby testifying to rulers and authorities in spiritual places. No wonder the church is so spiritually opposed. The gospel being proclaimed to men doesn't only affect men. It is part of something that is much, much bigger. Because of that, the stakes are high. You know, if it was just men, if the gospel only concerned men, this would be a very different situation. Man, if the gospel only concerned men, you could pretty much deal with it demographics and marketing. You know, a, a pretty good wet works team. You could handle it. It's not just about that. He is a chosen instrument to take the gospel to the children of Israel, to kings, to rulers, and to the Gentiles. And in doing so, he is doing something that is proclaiming, making a testimony, and Quite frankly, we don't have time to develop it tonight, but putting the stick in the eye of rulers and authorities in a spiritual realm. And therefore, the manner in which God chose him out of his own suffering, and I mean out of the Lord's suffering, out of his suffering on the cross, he chose his servants, Saul being one of them. And he chose them in order for them to become like him. And so, in choosing them out of his own suffering, he has chosen them to suffer. Choosing them out of his suffering that brought him glory, he has chosen to bring them to glory. And glory it will be by like means. And so, it says in the second half of verse 19, that having been a chosen instrument and chosen so that He may be shown how much He would suffer for the name of the Lord, it says that for some days He was with the disciples at Damascus and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue saying He is the Son of God. Now at this point in time, Saul's not spent three years in the wilderness with Christ. He's, he doesn't have a particularly developed... Now, well, I, mean, I mean, the guy's guns were as loaded as they could be from an intellectual perspective. So I don't want to say that he has no theology. 
but he certainly doesn't have any time in the saddle as a believer. Yet, he immediately proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying he is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of all those who called upon this name? And has he not come here for the purpose to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. I love that statement. He proved Jesus was the Christ. The men today will, will tell you that that cannot be proved, but according to the Word of God, it can. When many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. Go figure. He is a chosen instrument to suffer for his day. Their plot became known to Saul, and they were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him, but the disciples took him by night and let him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. Exciting stuff. Paul would speak in the book of Galatians chapter 1 verses 11 through 23 talk about the nature of the danger that comes along with the call of God to proclaim the gospel. It looks like this. But have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when He who had set me apart before I was born, and who called me by His grace, was pleased to reveal His Son to me in order that I might preach Him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. And after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him fifteen days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother, and what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. And then I went to the regions of Syria and Cilicia. I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of We're going to do missions, quote unquote. And I, and I don't even, the more I study into it, the more I wonder how we even use that kind of terminology. Do missions. The gospel is the mission. That's it. You, you don't do missions. That, that's not 
this kind of thing that's this compartment that you do. You know, we we, we do missions and we we do benevolence, and we do Bible study and we do preaching and we do prayer. That's that's not the way this deal works. The gospel is the mission. As individuals, we were called chosen instruments. And while the particulars of the way that choosing will manifest itself may vary, its intention and its purpose is always the same. It's always the same. It is the glory of God in Jesus Christ made manifest amongst the lost. That will provoke a result. It will provoke faith in those who have been set apart to Christ from before they were born. And it will provoke anger in those that are set against Him. This will lead to the suffering of God's people in this life because of and for the propagation of the Gospel. You see, and those two go hand in hand. The suffering happens because of the Gospel and it is for the propagation of the Gospel. You can't separate these, these two from each other. And that's the beauty of it. Because when it happens because of the Gospel, and that results in the propagation of the gospel. And that causes it to happen because of the gospel, which results in the propagation of the gospel. There are many places, many places. The first time I think the light bulb came on the same morning for me and Jim on this. The first time that there are many places in, you know, if you're my wife says going on vacation with me is like going on vacation with Bill Nye the science guy. <laughs> so we have to talk, we're in the river, we have to talk about fluid dynamics and whatever, right? And, and, and men, men have been, you know, looking for, for years, you know, to the perpetual motion machine. And, and we're not talking for anybody that knows. Talking about the third law of thermal dynamics and avoiding entropy and all that sort of thing. We're not actually talking about a machine that you build and set on a counter. We're talking about some kind of system that never loses its energy that you can put energy into and then it continues to cycle perpetually with, without ever you know, succumbing to, to disorder. God's the only one that can do it. Man, the physicists have tried and tried and tried and tried. He's the only one that can do it, and he does it all the time. The first time he saw it was in the Gospel of John with the way that the Father glorifies the Son and the Son glorifies the Father, and therefore the Father glorifies the Son. And you get this perpetual glory engine that just spins and spins and spins until it literally explodes itself in the Gospel upon the creation. You see that same thumbprint of God in the nature of the Gospel going forward. And so here's this guy, and he's a chosen instrument. And the instrument that he has chosen to be is part of a system that is perpetually self-reinforcing. It's, it's a sympathetic harmonic, if you will, whereby 
the presence of the gospel produces a suffering in him that is the reflection of the suffering of Christ that bought him. And that suffering then induces the propagation of the gospel to a greater fold than exponentially more than where it began with just him. And so he goes out and he goes out to these churches and he goes through Asia and and, 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 and he's suffering as he going is going because of the gospel, and that very suffering is testifying to the gospel in such a way that it draws more to the gospel, which creates more suffering, not just in Paul, but in all of these other people. I mean, good grief, just read the epistles of Christ to the churches in Asia at the beginning of the book of Revelation, and you'll find out a lot of them are hurting because of the gospel, and that is, while difficult, is not a bad thing because it causes the further propagation of the gospel, which is exactly what the chosen instruments were designed to do. And it is the weakness of the flesh that when suffering comes because of the gospel, we would pray that it be removed. Because man, from a kingdom standpoint... You don't want it to go away. It works. It works. Now look, I'm the guy that starts suffering and I start praying that the Lord will take it away. Don't, don't think I'm being holier than thou. I'm just telling you, from a kingdom standpoint, it's effectual. I pray that the Lord sanctifies us unto these things.